And the river moves my mind And the river moves my mind today And the river moves my mind And the river moves my mind today Rain meets the river, river meets the valley, valley meets the rain Rain meets the river, river meets the valley, valley meets the rain. Rain meets the river, river meets the valley, valley meets the rain. Welcome to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. My name is Jason Sacco and I'm your host. As a 35 plus year spondy, I'm looking to use this show to bring the spondy community closer. I'll give my lifelong battle with AS to you. That includes triumphs, tragedies, and lessons. So sit back. Enjoy and know you are not alone. Child of wax, vote of soul, sing the hymns they left unsung. Hello, everybody. I wanted to first, before this episode got started, apologize about the audio quality. In this case, when I was recording, I didn't notice that my recorder flipped from my microphone to the microphone on the computer. So that's why I sound a little distant in this one is because it had a whole different microphone it was using. I apologize and I hope you enjoy. Thanks. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. I wanted to start off this episode by saying thank you to everybody that's been listening. The growth and the the listenership has been amazing, so I really, really appreciate it. I do this for, you know, not only myself, it's cathartic to get out the thoughts and information in my head related to ankylosing spondylitis, but I also know that when I was younger and first diagnosed, there was nobody for me to connect to, to talk to about AS. So uh, for those of you that are newly diagnosed and listening, welcome. For those of you that have been diagnosed but dealing with it for a long term and just finally getting somebody to listen to you. Welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. And with that, I wanted to look at something. I found this article and I thought it was kind of neat. And I like to kind of go through some of these and put my own spin on them and relate how it affects me. And this was relatively recent. It was from back in February of this year of 2019. And it said the top 16 myths about ankylosing spondylitis treatment. So I'm going to go through these 16 and kind of relate my background to it. But I'd love to hear what you guys have dealt with. So feel free to send me messages, reach out, touch base, comment on this when I post it online. I'd love to know what your myth busting on, on ankylosing spondylitis has led you to on these 16 items we'll cover. So anyway, here we go. Number one, myth or fact. Ankylosing spondylitis, or I'm going to refer to it as AS going forward, only affects the back. In my case, we definitely know that's not true. I've had multiple hip replacement surgeries, and my lower back is fused, my neck is fused. So we know it affects many different areas, and that's just some of the areas. It can affect knees, feet, hands, elbows, shoulders, rib cage. It's an equal opportunity uh, effector. It'll it'll nail just about anything, this particular disease. So, so one thing is we all tend to even though we fall under the umbrella of AS, we all tend to have very different symptoms. Nobody's ever the same. We know it's a type of inflammation that can start off in the spine, may affect just your spine or, or your SI joints, but as I said, you know, in knees, shoulders, hips, ribs, you know, small joints of the hands and feet, everything can be affected. And like I went over in my last episode, your eyes can even be affected with uveitis, 
so iritis, which is what I've had many bouts with. So there's really not a part of your body that it won't look at or consider affecting. Number two, myth or fact, ankylosing spondylitis only affects the elderly. We also know this is a myth. Uh, many of you were diagnosed like I was in your teens, and some of you had pains from when you were in teens but weren't diagnosed till you were in your 40s, 50s. We do know that AS is uh, not, it rarely begins after the age of 45. Um, one thing I'm not sure I, I believe in this author's item is it occurs most frequently in white males 20 to 40 years old, although it can occur, occur in children too. I had the exact opposite. Uh, well, I am a white male. Mine came out when I was a child. Also, there's a lot of the older studies that were done on AS did not include women, did not include any minorities. So for many, many years, it was thought of as a male disease, not because it was only affecting men. It was because others were you know, cut out of the studies. So many doctors coming up only had studies showing that, oh, well, there's 300 men that had it and zero women, and, and those weren't realistic studies. Well, they did give some baseline information about AS. They were very gender-specific, and I think just spending some time on any of the ankylosing spondylitis forums on Facebook, you'll see that there's plenty of women affected, plenty of minorities. AS doesn't recognize, as far as I'm concerned, race or gender. And I think as we continue to move forward, you'll see more and more modern studies replace those older studies showing that this disease strikes men and women, regardless of, of ethnicity, you know, across the board fairly equally. One of the genetic markers that they look at is the HLA-B27 marker. And this is a marker that you'll see a lot of people ask, do you have it? Do you not have it? You don't have to have it to develop AS. There are people that don't have that marker that get AS. Also, there's new genes like the IL-23R and the ERAP1 that may also carry a genetic risk for AS. So I think the real thing is what they're trying to figure out is if you have one or more of these, how does it affect you? What triggers AS? Once they can figure out what exactly triggers AS, and you'll see a lot of people insist that it's something in the gut, that seems to be a high likelihood, but I've not seen anything conclusive that it's for sure something that started the gut. But it seems to be a strong likelihood. Myth or fact number three, AS is easily curable. Well, that's completely false. AS is not curable no matter what anybody tells you. There are medications, as, as whether they be biologics or any of the other NSAIDs, Celebrex, all that kind of stuff that can help with reducing pain, coping with the different symptoms of AS, but there is no cure. So I'm always remiss when I see somebody come online and say, oh, I've cured myself of AS. You might be in remission, you might be have done something that has helped your body stay in remission, but you're not cured. And I'll tell folks that be prepared at some point in the future, it is going to come back. To what level? Who knows? You may be lucky and it comes back very mild and you never have any severe symptoms. Could come back like a hurricane and really hit you hard. So just be aware of that and be careful with ever saying that you're cured from it. There are, like I said, different medications out there. Some people have had some great luck with TNF blockers like Embryl, Humira, Remicade. Others have had great luck with some of the newer medications like Cosentix, which work on different types of genes, the different types of markers that are out there. So everybody's going to react to something different. Do what works best for you. Know that it is not curable. Myth or fact. 
Diagnosis of AS requires many tests. In my case, that was false. I was 14 years old when I first saw a rheumatologist. I walked in, he had me grip his hands, stand up straight, and then he watched me from the side as I, I bent over to touch my ankles. He kind of said, tell me a little bit about your past and your medical history. My parents and I filled him in. He looked at me and says, I'm fairly certain you have ankylosing spondylitis. He goes, now let's do some tests to prove that. It was treated as such going forward, and we did the blood tests and everything else that went along with it, and that's what it's always been treated as and shown to be. So you don't have to have a ton of tests done prior. A good rheumatologist will be able to work with you to look at both what your past medical history is, any type of limits like on your lumbar spine motion, your chest, how you breathe. Is there any type of lack of mobility in your ribcage expansion? So there's a number of things that they can look at before they jump into all sorts of tests. I always look at it as, let's get all the questions and answers asked up front and then do the tests to prove what we think is going on. Number five, myth or fact. Drugs are the only way to treat AS. Well, that's a myth to a degree. And what I my personal feeling is you take the medications to help with joint pain and stiffness and to slow disease progression. But there are other things that you can do, namely watching what you eat. There's ways to make sure to keep your weight down and some of the foods that you intake. Matter of fact, a lot of the foods that you intake can help with reducing the inflammation your body experiences. Uh, you can also really focus on some of the ways you sit and stand to prevent or to build up strength in your spine. Light exercise, in my case, is encouraged. I know I've seen some people jump on and say, oh, you must do heavy weightlifting to combat AS. That's not true, and in some cases, heavy weightlifting can be detrimental to you. So do what a doctor tells you. If you feel good enough to do some heavy weightlifting and you're not in tons of pain afterwards, go for it. If not, don't do it. Lighten up and do lightweights. Do walking. Do bike riding. Whatever you're capable of doing, do that. Uh, water. Any type of swimming is generally great because it takes so much of the pressure off your joints. You know, we all have to start somewhere, and I would encourage you, if you're not doing any exercise, to start doing something to at least give yourself a fighting chance as you age. And then again, like I said, just maintaining posture, and that posture is going to help to keep your daily work-life function going. So there's a multi-stepped approach to treating AS. It could be holistic treatments on top of uh, medications, on top of exercise, on top of diet. All of those are going to factor in, and there's no one that's better than the others. I think they all work together. At least that's the way I look at it. I hope to hear from anybody that shows that they've had great luck incorporating all of those themselves. Number six, myth or fact, people with AS should avoid exercise. Well, we just kind of talked about that. That's definitely a myth. Exercise is good. Do what your body tells you you can do, whether it be physical therapy after a surgery, whether it be physical therapy just to gain some flexibility back and prevent stooping or making any daily activities better. Go for it. If you're capable of doing weightlifting, running, jogging, whatever the options might be, you may consider, though running and jogging can be very, very hard on hips, back, and everything. So not everybody that's in AS can do those. It really comes down to what can you do that doesn't trigger your body to be in so much pain the next day. Do it. But some movement's better than no movement. If you've been relatively sedentary for a long period of time, start off with just walking around your apartment or your house or going outside and walking up and down your driveway a bit. Get moving. The more movement you do now, the better off you'll be, uh, again, as you continue to age. 
Number seven, myth or fact, drug treatment for AS is always expensive. Well, this is one of those that's kind of a myth. Some drugs are more affordable than others. Some drugs are very expensive if you don't have insurance and are pretty much cost prohibitive for a lot of people. There are some NSAIDs that are relatively inexpensive that most doctors will turn to for first treating AS. It's going to be stuff like Advil, Aleve, uh, Celebrex, Tylenol. You know, those are generally what doctors like to start off with in the first line. They have been around a long time and are not entirely cost prohibitive. Some of those are over the counter and some of those are prescription meds. So check out any low cost alternatives are for generics if available. Again, this is really directed towards the states because people in the United States, I don't know how medication is handled in other parts of the world. So you may not have to worry about that at all, depending on the country that you live in. And like with all medications, NSAIDs and anything else can have some serious side effects. So if you do go on them, make sure that your doctor is monitoring you with at least yearly blood tests, I would think, if not more often, and regular checkups to, to understand what, what you're going through. Because as we talk about these medications and stuff, I'm not a doctor and this is not medical advice for you to run out and get on these. What I really want for you to take away from this is if you're not talking to your doctor about this, if you're not taking kind of control of your treatment to start and start to bring some of these up to your doctor and let him or her tell you why it's not appropriate, why it's appropriate, how this could help you, how this could benefit you, and how it could possibly cause some, what are some of the possible side effects. So get in there and talk with your doctor about those. Number eight, myth or fact, AS leads to severe disability. In my case, that's a fact. Uh, not everybody is the same. I've seen folks that have been posting online that have AS and are out running marathons. And that's fantastic for you. I, I wish I could do that myself. I am on disability. I've had multiple hip replacements. As I've said earlier, my lower back and my neck are fused. So I am severe disability. I can do my activities of daily living and things like that. So I'm not requiring additional assistance that way. But remember that with AS, you're going to go through most likely many stages over your lifetime. So be aware what each stage can bring and how it's affecting you and what it does to you. And just try to keep as active as possible to limit any of the, the disabilities that may come as you age. Number nine, myth or fact, there's little I can do to help myself. Well, this is definitely a myth. There is so much that you could do to help yourself, and this is just not further from the truth. You know, when you look at your AS, you have to decide that, and you've seen this, as everybody lists themselves as AS warriors, you have to be able to engage in as much of an active lifestyle as you can. If you have an exercise program, maintain it, keep it going. If you don't, as I've said earlier, try something, anything. There's plenty of yoga videos on YouTube. There's lots of ways to get involved and do something besides just sitting there and watching TV. Make sure that you try to do something active on a daily basis to help stave this off. Uh, if you have access to a pool, so much the better. Do your morning stretches when you get up, whether that be just sitting on the edge of your bed, stretching your arms and legs as much as you can. That's great. You also can do things like maybe look at vitamins. There's some omega-3 fatty acids that have shown to be help with joint inflammation and rheumatoid arthritis patients. Discuss this all with your doctor and let him or her work with you to develop a plan of attack as to what you should start considering on a daily basis to help you know, work towards this AS and fighting it. 
Number 10, myth or fact. If NSAIDs don't work, I'm out of options. That's also not true. There's biologics, which we know have their own set of concerns. There's the TNF inhibitors, and then there's also the newer one like Cosentix, which works on a different gene, not the same the way TNF works. But you know, I'm going to refer to them all by their advertised name, not their official drug name. But you've got, you know, Humira, Simza, uh, Emeril, Remicade, and Symphony. And so all of those are, are ways that you and your doctor can start to look at options available to treat your AS if, you know, the actual NSAIDs, the first level, are not working. So see what works. And again, it's really going to be about having that open dialogue with your doctor when you go in there and telling them how you feel and what is working and what is not working. So that's very, very important. Number 11, myth or fact, TNF blocker side effects are very dangerous. This is kind of a yes to both of them. It's not necessarily a myth, but there are some facts behind the increased likelihood of some serious side effects with TNF blockers uh, like Emeril, Remicade, Humira. The thing is, they don't affect everybody. You may read through some of the forums that people will write in there almost telling you for sure that you're going to experience these side effects. And that's far from the case. You know, if those side effects were affecting everybody, then those drugs most likely wouldn't be used. Now, that they're affecting anybody is bad enough. And the cases that I've listened to and, and read online of people that have been affected by some of these different drugs really stinks. And I'm, I'm looking at putting an episode together that talks kind of about the, the drug testing. And I found some interesting information on that. In essence, there are some very rare but serious side effects, one of them being certain types of cancer are increased like leukemia and lymphoma. The problem is I've seen some information on the lymphoma part of it that states that, that many of the other drugs that are prescribed to us for treatment of AS also have a chance of increasing lymphoma. So they're not sure if the person is on multiple drugs, which one or both or all of them are causing the increased risk if lymphoma is gotten. There's still lots of information to be reviewed and found out about. The side effects are important to know about. And I would say, again, discuss with your doctor. Let him or her know your concerns. If you're really concerned about trying a Humira or any of those, ask if you can take the shot in the office so that you're near medical personnel to be monitored instead of taking the shot at home. Have them give you the shot the first couple times. I know my biggest fear was the needles. Once I got over the fear of the needles, then the shot was no big deal in, in my case. Everybody else's case is going to be different and you need to be aware of that and discuss that with your doctor. Myth number 12, TNF blockers are all the same. Well, this is wrong. All TNF blockers target an inflammation-causing substance called TNF, but there are some differences too. Remicade and Flectra are given by intravenous infusion and may require a clinic visit every six weeks for maintenance treatments. That's a big issue there because some people don't want to go to the clinic to have an infusion done. Whereas with things like Humira, Embril, Simsia, Symphony, you can give those yourself at your home. Costs can vary, so be sure to check with your insurance carrier again, this mainly applies to the United States, for their covered TNF blockers to make sure that they do cover those. While they all will focus on blocking TNF, there can be vast differences in the administration of them and the cost of them. So again, work with your insurance provider and your doctor to find out which one's going to best benefit you. Number 13, myth or fact, TNF blocker injections rarely cause skin reactions. Well, this is definitely a myth. As a matter of fact, the most common side effects seen with TNF blockers are injection site reactions. I've been lucky, and when I took both Embril and Humira, I did not 
experience those, which was interesting because I do get a little bit of sight reaction on occasion from a uh, Cosentix shot, but nothing that lasts longer than a, a couple hours. But I have seen pictures people post of their sites where they give themselves their shots. And it's amazing the reaction that your skin can have to some of these shots. So it could be a localized rash burning or itching and it may last for up to a week so if you give yourself a shot and you have some irritation around that zone if it doesn't go away with icing or heating it or even maybe say a a benadryl it's something you definitely want to discuss with your doctor before your next shot or you know at your next appointment your doctor can discuss that with you and, and see what's the best course of action for you Number 14, myth or fact, TNF blockers can't help slow damage in AS. Well, this is kind of controversial because with the amount of side effects that some people experience, they have to go off TNFs before they can any gain any real benefit from them. There have been several studies that have suggested that there's no effect from using TNF blockers to slow progression. But there's also some bigger studies that have shown that TNF blockers can reduce progression of spinal damage in some patients. So what are we looking at? In some cases, 16, 18 years that TNF blockers have been been around, there's just not a lot of large long-term studies to be shown. And that's something I'll delve into in another episode. I think by and far, if it works for you, it works. If it doesn't, you know, you've got to push on to something different to see what's best for you. Number 15, myth or fact, there's no way I can afford TNF blockers. Well, this could be true if you don't have insurance because they're not cheap. They can run three, $4,000 a month. So if you're not with insurance and you're not wealthy, then yeah, you probably are in a situation where at this point you can't afford TNF blockers. If you have insurance, or in some cases, even if you don't have insurance, let me step back, you can contact the drug manufacturers for patient assistance, and they have some programs to help people that don't have insurance to actually access the medications. On the other side, if you have insurance and you have high deductibles or copays, each manufacturer also has the patient assistance program, like I mentioned, and they may help. In my case, I take Cosentix. It has a $75 monthly copay, and since I'm on disability, the manufacturer of Cosentix came in and said, well, we're going to waive the disability for you. That's nice of, you know, I appreciate that. And it's $75. I don't have to worry about spending on a monthly basis to get a medication that has really helped me. So there are options to look for. If you're running into walls, you know, feel free to reach out and I'd be happy to help you research some options. But in some cases, if you're out of the United States, you know, you're going to have to look at each of your, the country that you live in's medical system and see what they offer and how they offer it. It may be medication that is done on a a ration basis. It may be medication you have to get onto a long waiting list to get. I don't know. Every country is going to be different. Finally, number 16, myth or fact, if TNF blockers don't work, there aren't any other options. Again, this is definitely wrong and it's a myth. Well, TNF blockers are effective for many people with AS. Uh, There's still other options for people who do not respond or cannot use them. I didn't respond well to Humira or Embril. I didn't get any long-term relief, so I chose not to go on Remicade or anything like that because I just wasn't getting the long-term effects. Once Cosentix came out, I decided after some prodding from my doctor, I would try it, and it turned out to be a fantastic drug for me. Everybody's going to, again, be different. Talked with people that Cosentix hasn't done anything, but there's also local injections of corticosteroids. There's different drugs that can be used to help lessen the pain. So if a Humira and Embril doesn't work, well, it might be a letdown, or I hope you don't get any of the side effects from it. 
there are other options. Maybe it's looking at Cosentix or, you know, one of these other medications coming out. I did see a thing that there are multitudes of these different type of biologics being released on an almost annual basis, as well as many being pulled off the market on an annual basis. So who knows where this is going to be 5, 10, 15 years from now. But at this point, the biologics seem to be the cutting edge treatment and there are the bulk of them are TNF blockers. But as I said, Cosentix can expand treatment options for those with AS. So otherwise, those are kind of the, some of the top 16 myths. I know it's been a little bit of a longer show than I normally do, so I apologize about that. I want people to be aware that I didn't necessarily start this off to be a strictly TNF type show, but this is what a lot of the myths were around. So I just want to kind of throw this out there and I wish you all the best as you fight this battle against AS. You know, contrary to disagreements that many of us might have online, we're all in this together. We're all here to support one another and I look forward to hearing your stories and experiencing your stories with you as you talk about the treatments you go through, the daily battles you go through. Just know that you're not alone. We've all been there and we're we're here to support one another, and I wish you all a good fight on this battle against AS. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.